it's a learning curve and it definitely I think is being an artist maybe helps your character in some ways because you have to learn to how to deal with those things as well you definitely have to find a way to I don't know get a bit of a thicker skin I suppose and Welcome to The Flying Fruit Bowl, a platform dedicated to the discussion and exploration of art and the creative process. I'm your host and the creator of The Flying Fruit Bowl, Aaron S. And today's episode is the second part of our conversation with Ellis King. If you haven't heard part one yet, please listen to last week's episode as this part is a direct continuation of the conversation. Thank you very much. Ellis's paintings sit in an interesting space between the real and the abstract which considers the notions of beauty and the male gaze within the wider discourse of what it means to be a woman. So, do you think there are any of the themes that you can't explore through art? Um, no, I don't think so. Um, I don't think so because, I mean, there's the classic, what is it, a picture tells a story of a thousand words or and I I I think that there's I think that the only um issue with that is if if there are themes of your work that you capture that don't translate but in a way does that matter because you're creating something with a theme in mind or whatever it is that you're exploring at the moment and that is your interpretation of it so whether or not it translates or not is hearsay, I suppose. Um, and also I think that with painting, there are so many different ways that you can do things. You can, you can focus very specifically or something, or you could create a scene. And even in that scene, you're able to communicate things that perhaps you're not in other ways. So just the the medium and the form itself, I think, has so many different um, avenues for you to be able to explore that I I almost feel like it's quite limitless in in how you can you can translate those different themes into the work. Okay, so let's actually get into your creative process. Let's talk about that. So, um, what is your creative process like, and do you have any kind of like routines that have you focused on art? Um, so yeah, I definitely have a process. So as I mentioned before, I try and treat any of my work time like work. So, um, my, I've got like a home studio that's based in, we kind of converted our garage into a room and I paint in there. Um, so I'll head in there and like, generally I've already got an idea of what it is that I want to paint or, an idea of how it, I might want it to look when I start. And I tend to listen to podcasts for the entire time that I paint. I used oh, to wow. paint to music and then I found it um, almost a distraction at times, whereas I feel like I, I don't know, there's something about podcasts. I think it's probably just people talking that is quite soothing for me and just allows me to really get stuck into what I'm doing. Um, and yeah, the, like one painting could, I could paint a painting in four hours or a day. It kind of totally depends on how I feel when I enter into that space uh, as to whether or not I feel like I want to 
produce something and I need to, you know, I want to see something quickly and that's the mood that I'm in at that that time or that I've got an idea of something that could take, you know, four, five, six days. Um, it kind of really, really depends. And I think as well that it varies dependent on the different series or um, or categories of work perhaps that I enter into as well. So when I spoke to Mark Thompson, one of the things that we spoke about in terms of creating in a studio is the idea of loneliness and creating in yeah. isolation. Like as an artist who has a studio, no matter where it is, but it's a studio, like how do you deal with the idea of kind of working in isolation? Um, it has its pros and cons, I think. So my ambition at some point would be to be in a studio, like in a creative space where there are lots of other artists working and you kind of have your own room that you can you can crack on in. Um, whereas I think at home you are, it's very, very solitary. And the one benefit of that is that because I've got a young son, a lot of time outside of that is very busy and very hectic and very non-stop and lots of talking and so to yeah. escape into the studio at home when he's when that life isn't happening and to kind of get stuck into the work and have it my completely my space is really refreshing and a bit of a recharge for me um, but equally it does have its drawbacks where you're not you don't have that sense of community I think that maybe other artists have when they're in they're working in other spaces or you know they have residencies and things like that um so I think there's yeah there's pros and cons to it and maybe that will hopefully at some point I'll get to experience something else but at the moment that's kind of all I know in terms of producing work see that's actually really interesting and what I'm going to send you is I'm going to send you a few artists whose work doesn't align with yours but that artists I've spoken to have families. And I think it'd be mm. really interesting to have this conversation about how you have a family and be an artist and kind of like how you balance the two. Because I think if there's one thing that isn't really discussed amongst older artists, for instance, is how you balance that. Because you have to spend, obviously you've got to spend time with your family. So I have them. Mm. But art is a dedication. And it's like, mm. like, how do you personally manage to balance the two? I think that kind of goes into also like the, a lot of the themes of my work around why you know, the difficulties that I think there is being woman and being a creative in that space or, you know, I guess whatever profession you're in, actually, it feels like women have to make quite a lot of decisions around whether or not they're going to be stay-at-home mums or in full-time employment and then what conversations or criticisms that opens up for them. There seems to be like a very, I would say, clear narrative around what it should be for a woman in work and there continues to be a lot or there's at least more conversations I think around how we take on way more of like the family life than the majority of men in terms of how yeah. that work-life balance yeah. works um, and I think they're really good conversations to have and I think then part of that kind of comes into my work where I think more around just the process that I have and how, like I said to you this week, I've not been able to do any painting other than the half day on Monday that my son was in nursery. 
And that is a very short amount of time that I have to then immerse myself into it. And it's almost like it can be a bit disorientating sometimes, like being so engrossed in something and then having to completely remove yourself from yeah, it. Of course. Which I think is also part of why I said to you, I could go in and be like, right, I'm going to create a painting in this one time and whatever comes at the end of it, that is the painting. Versus if I have more time to explore something. Yes. But it's very stop start. It's not, I don't have this Monday to Friday. Okay. I get in the studio, I paint, I finish at the end of the day, I get in the studio, you know, I don't have that. So I think as a, an artist, it, it can be quite, um, it can really limit your creative process or your creative flow at times. And it can be really, really frustrating. Um, but I think it goes also back to the conversations that we've had before about being a creative, especially in the early stages of your career, you're not really earning money. So you can't really contribute that much to, I couldn't say put my son into nursery an extra two days a week course, yeah, because and it's just do it because it's financial. So you're constantly having to make these sacrifices or trying to find these balances. See, that's really interesting. And I'm kind of really actually curious now you said that. It's like, do you think that because you know your time is not unlimited, that the time you are painting, you value more? Yes, definitely. I, yeah, I, I, I think that it, one of the, one of the benefits of it is that I could create a portrait in three and a half, four hours now where I wouldn't have been able to before because I know I have that time and so you almost your um, creative process has allowed you to know exactly what you need to do in order to create that thing that you feel like you need to make to feel fulfilled in some sense so I think it does it gives you it gives you parameters which sometimes that structure can be really really helpful I think um and equally, but equally then you really berate yourself if I have a whole day in there of my three days a week, if I have a whole day and at the end of it, I think, oh my God, that's terrible. What have I done? That's awful. Like, oh. And you've spent a whole day on it. And then, so it's a real conflicting thing, I think, with time and time management and all of that side of things that... I have to consider or probably other um, working artists who are parents also have to consider. See, but to me, that kind of makes me feel very reassured because it makes me think actually doing things part time isn't actually as bad as people make it out to be, you know, because there's a kind of a stigma that, you know, oh, you're a part time artist or oh, you're a part time creator or whatever. But mm. actually, it's the fact that having that less time to do things makes you more focused on what you're doing. And that might be why, as we said earlier, like, when you have the time to do stuff, you get on with doing it, which is probably why mm. you work so hard when you're doing art, because you know, you don't have the time to mill about. Mm. You don't have the time to, to waste on, you know, trying to get X and Y perfect, you know, yeah, yeah. you want to create something because you're in that, you know, that mode and that mindset to get things done. You're going to get mm. it done. Nice. Yeah, that actually like... really made me think about that actually. Um, thank you so much. That's really interesting. Yeah. I think it's, it's this weird, like perfectly imperfect space, isn't it? Where, you do just need to at times the fulfillment is just getting something done and feeling like something is done and 
no artwork is I mean it might be perfect to certain artists but I mean I'll look at pieces that I did six months ago and think god there's so many things I've changed in that now but at that point that I created it to me it was done and it was it fulfilled what I needed it to fulfill and also I think you as a part-time I mean I guess one of the drawbacks is that you just don't have you can't produce things at the speed you know I don't have five days six days to do my work in so I'm not producing things at the same rate that other people might yeah, be able to which means you know as we all know can be a, a massive drawback um and you do have to find time to you know I'll in terms of how I categorize my time at home you know my son might go to bed and then I'll go into the studio and do two hours of an evening but I think that that I'm also doing that because I really enjoy doing it so yeah I can say like I commend you on that because it's a dedication. It's not just a. It's not just a. Oh, you know, oh, I'm just bored. Let me just paint. It's like oh no, I really feel the need to do this. Um, so you know, I highly commend you for that because it must not be easy. It really must not be. You know, yeah, so I think it's the same as anyone. They like we're all tired. We're all doing too much. We're all <laughs> we're all tired. Yeah. That is the story of my life. I don't think I've been awake since I was eighteen. So you know, <laughs> it's it, it's as I say to everybody. Like I said, my advice for anybody in life is enjoy your life before 18 because as soon as you hit 18 you will never feel yeah. awake again trust me you'll feel constantly yeah. tired because you'll never get enough sleep and there's you you'll never get enough sleep you'll never do enough during the day and you know you just won't be satisfied with anything so it's you know it all goes downhill from 18 it's good. yeah yeah it's all good <laughs> it's the pressure we all put on ourselves as well though it i is. think it is and, and it's back kind to of, what we were saying about the comparison and yeah, the pressure it is. like it's, it's actually insane when you think about it like just think about like how much damage we're doing to ourselves for honestly no reason um it's actually pretty crazy and um mm. yeah yeah I think that's yeah that's, I need to just not think about that because I'll probably cry <laughs> um so in terms of your work how much pre-production do you do um and kind of like how much planning goes into it beforehand as opposed to actually on the camp like when you're painting on the board of the canvas so not much work goes into the pre-production um I've started thinking way more around what it is that um like thinking about series and what the style that I want the series to have and maybe more about the, what the message is. And I've got some ideas about what I'm kind of doing next. So I'll think more about those ideas, but then when it comes to the actual piece itself, I kind of just live in it and just see where it goes. I'm not very, um, I don't have an idea of exactly how I want it to turn out. And I don't have, um, I don't have parameters set up for myself, I think, in that space. I've got an idea and then I just let, you know, let myself see where it turns out. That's really cool. That's probably the best way to work because you're not limiting yourself. Um, and I'll just go back to a second for what you said about finishing artwork. Um, I did an interview with the incredible artist, Jay Riggio. Um, and he's, one of the things he said in that interview that I always remember is that art is never finished, it's abandoned because you always leave mm. it in a certain state um, and then you should never go back to it. So Yeah, that's so true. Um, it's something that I've, that's, that's always stuck with me. Um, and now every time I get a chance to, I say that in an interview, so it's perfect. Um, it's really great. Let's get in to social media. Before we do, a couple of questions about exhibiting work. Um, yep. So you have exhibited your work so far, obviously probably more minimally, I imagine. But have you yeah. found the process of exhibiting so far? I found it really positive just in terms of feeling like you're moving forward. 
I think the whole idea about exhibiting work is kind of what you always aim for when you first start to try and get your work seen by more people, or, you know, yeah, be alongside other artists. Um, so I found it positive. I think the only negative I think about it is that I do feel like there's a bit of a, how do I say this? It's hard sometimes to know if when you decide to do an exhibit, when you're starting out, that you're that you're being selected for the right reasons. And that obviously links back to how you value yourself and your own self-worth and whether or not you feel like you're worthy of it. But I think there are a lot of artists out there trying to make it. And I worry sometimes that we can be taken for a little bit of a ride. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, with certain spaces and you know pay this and you'll get exhibited and it's that, a really difficult one to to yeah, navigate that, that is exactly why i don't charge people to be featured because mm. um i don't believe in that that's it's not about i'll oh, pay me and i'll feature your work it's, it's the fact mm. that like you're creating work you want it to be seen then okay let's show it you know mm. i think um yeah i i know a lot of artists who have had bad experiences with paying out money for exhi exhibitions or they, what they think they're paying for is not what they're getting um mm. and i think particularly when you're starting out because you know you want any and every opportunity you know mm. you really can be taken advantage of so i would definitely advise you to be very careful and very selective and do your research about what you're exhibiting and actually there is actually an opportunity that i sent to ironically pippa and felicity the day that is a exhibition specifically for female artists that I will send to you. That would be great. Because that's something that's definitely down your street. I saw it and I was like, oh. So the thing is, like, I see opportunities because the way my life is. I You're in that world. Is. Yeah, it just happens. Like literally half of them are just Instagram ads and I'm like, okay, this is cool. It works out well. Um, and as soon as I see them, I think, okay, who do I know? Is going to benefit from this so then i'll send it to them which is perfect that's amazing so that's yeah, the way the i think seeing these things isn't it so that's the thing because i'm well aware that as an artist you're not going to spend five hours researching galleries i think there are loads i think there's loads of opportunities it is just finding them being selected yeah like yeah, that's the absolutely. thing you're but up against tons you of have other to great keep trying. artists you have to keep trying exactly yeah yeah, it's about staying positive and not letting the you for every one acceptance you have, you have, I don't know, 10 failures. And that's fine. Like it is just part of it. But I think that is also what makes it really difficult when you get one accepted and you think, oh, this is great. And maybe they're not exactly the best spaces for you to be in. Um, but I wonder if that's just part of the learning curve and the hard thing is that, as you know, like you have to start building a portfolio and it's kind of the space that I'm in at the moment where I'm trying to get exit exhibits on my CV or my work portfolio because that is the way that you look more established and that people, it feels like people start to take you seriously. Um, but it definitely comes sometimes with a, a bit of a cost. I think I would always recommend, not that I have any particular experience exhibiting work, but I would always recommend you check out the place you're going to exhibit your work because at the end of the day, the environment in which your work is exhibited is going to be equally, if not in some cases, just as important as the work itself. Yeah, um, totally. Because at the end of the day, if you're going to exhibit and it's literally in some random shack in the middle of like London that nobody ever goes to, mm. yeah, it might be cheap, 
but it's not going to do you any good. Same yeah, yeah. similarly, if it's in like a swanky hotel in the middle of London that's like crazy expensive and it's cost you a fortune to, to exhibit it, that also may not be, you know, mm. helpful to you. Because yeah, the yeah, clientele yeah. might have the money, doesn't mean they're going to spend it. You know, and I, yeah. from my own personal experience of people, like the more money you earn, the more money you want to keep for yourself. So it's kind of a bit like, just because you think someone's going to have money and they're going to pay big books because I've got it, they're probably not. They've probably got a car they want to buy instead. Um, yeah. They've probably got a watch they want to buy instead. They've probably got a house they want to buy instead. And who can blame yeah, them? Yeah, totally. So, you know, I think we have to also remember that art is a luxury. Um, mm. And you you have to create the demand for your work. Like you're, as an artist, it's your responsibility to create mm. the demand for your own work. Because yeah. you're not the only one creating art. You have to remember that. This is advice I gave somebody yesterday. Like, that's <laughs> why it sounds so good. Um, like, you have to remember, like, you're not the only artist in the world. And, like, you have to remember, well, no, you have to figure out, like, what's going to separate you? What's going to make people look at your work and be like, oh, I want to I own an Ellis King piece of work on my wall. You know, mm. you have to think about it like that. Like, creating work, creating work and sharing work and posting work is great. And it's fun. Everybody does it. We all do it. But that's not what, being an artist is just all about you know you have yeah, to have totally. depth I think personally that's just my opinion though so you know no completely agree completely agree so talking about that like are there any particular artists you'd like to collaborate with and or exhibit with oh god like there are so many but I think that the thing is like the artists that are really inspirational to me are so they're such pipe dreams like they're people I look at and I think God. So I don't know that I'd necessarily want to collaborate or exhibit with them. I'm just in awe of what they do. Um, one very, very well-known artist, um, Jenny Saville. Yes. She produces some amazing, like, and her work is it's so inspirational to me. Um, and I love I just when I look at her, her pieces, what that draws out in me and the emotions that that pulls out in me. Um, so I find her super inspiring and there's also a, a local artist in Norwich called Will Tether um, yes, and he is one. yeah and he's got some fantastic work as well and like very um, like the concepts of it I find really really intriguing and just how he plays with his composition and the color choices and things I find really fascinating um, so yeah, I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't necessarily look at art, artists' work in terms of collaboration. But I think that goes back to how you see your own value. I more look at artists' work in terms of inspiring either something in what I produce, or just in terms of getting some kind of joy or emotion or satisfaction from what it is that they're produced. Would you like to collaborate with other artists? So would that be something you'd be interested in doing? Oh, totally. Yeah, I think that. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, um, I must say, and by artists, I don't just mean painters. I mean, you know, musicians, poets, writers. Um, no, totally, totally. There's, I think that as a space, we're all, whilst what we produce is also different, all the mediums are also different the reason you're doing it is all very similar. And I think that brings you together in a way that nothing else does. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I'd yeah, definitely be up for any type of collaboration really. So this is why I think it's really funny when I meet artists who are like, oh, I really would love to, to 
to meet other artists, but I don't know what to say. And it's like, but you're all artists. There's going to be thousands of things that you're going to have in common. You just need mm. to find the right thing to start off with. And then, yeah, you know, you're here off and you'll just be good friends and you get to talk and get to share. And I think it's just, yeah, yeah. I kind of wonder if social media, and we'll get back to, we'll get, actually, there's probably a nice, one more question, then we'll get into social media. It's a nice segue, I guess. But I sometimes think that social media and the construction of technology has really kind of destroyed our social construct in terms of the way we talk to each other and how we feel comfortable talking to each other. Because, you know, it's just a shame that, in my opinion, people don't really have deeper conversations nowadays. You know, like mm. in day-to-day life, like the work people I work with are, are lovely people, but we don't talk about interesting topics, and that's quote unquote interesting topics. Well, that could just be me being that kind of person who wants that kind of conversation because not everybody does. But it's like, I kind of almost feel like it's a shame because something like art, which has so much depth, has so much emotion, has so much meaning, like you need the time to discuss it. And mm. sometimes even the gallery environment isn't the right environment because it's so busy and people are walking past and, and you know, you're not going to be necessarily spending, you know, two hours talking to one person about their work. So I think it's finding no, the right kind of space. Agree. The right finding the right space for the work so to view the work and the right space to discuss the work aren't even necessarily the same space yeah finding that space though okay. so my next question is do you feel like you're part of a larger art community and then we shall get into social media after this <laughs> um yes i do definitely um but i think as we've discussed so far as a artists starting out that community can seem huge and it can be it can be daunting to know how to kind of find your way into it I think um and I think as well as you're starting out or probably just in in your you know in your career you have to prioritize certain things over others and it is about when you make that your focus to make sure that you've got that community. Um, and also, uh, you know, I'm not, um, I'm not tr- education, you know, I'm not trained in this. I haven't, I haven't gone to fine art school or I don't have an education in, in art. So I think sometimes I wonder if actually if I had have done that or that was something that I looked to explore that you would quite naturally find that community because you as part of your everyday would be with people who share in the same interests as you and, you know, are, are producing art in the same way. You know, as I said, my studio's at home, so I'm not, it's yeah. not like I bump into people every day who are doing what I do. Um, so I do, and I know that the access to that community is there. And I've got a lovely, um, a lovely friend um, called Jenny Murphy, who, Maybe you'd like to speak to. She's an artist. I'd love to speak to anybody. Yeah, uh, she's great. And actually, she really kindly gave me some of her time last year to just talk about my work and like maybe roots forward and to stay positive and all those other things that I think we all need to hear. So yeah. the avenues are there. I think it's just about it's that balance between all of the different hats you have to take on and you have to you know, create the work, but also try and market the work, but then also try and speak to other people. And if you're doing it part-time, it is, you know, it's tricky. But, you know, hopefully this is going to be something that I'm doing for the rest of my life. So, you know, 
there's plenty of time for it. So I know it's there. It's just about trying to find the avenues in, I think. Yes, I just agree with that. Like, absolutely. And I think the time is there for now, but it won't always be there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So let's um, slide on into social media and then we have the conclusion section and then we shall end. Because I, I feel bad you've been here for like, we've been here this part for two hours and I can't remember how long the last bit was. Are you still okay to continue? Yes, yeah. Are you please. sure? Because I don't I, yeah, I yeah. don't want to take up too much of your time, even though I already have. No, um, no, it's great. I'm having feel, a great time. I feel very, like, I'm that kind of person where, like, I don't want to waste people's time. But then I feel like I am. But then I'm also like, well, not really. You did agree to this. But you didn't agree to, like, five hours. <laughs> no, I'm having yeah. a great time. That's fine. As long as you time. are, that's fine. I don't want to, I, I, wait, I don't think I said to you the earlier, but I was meant to say to you at the start, like, if you're bored or if you just want to quit or you don't want to do it anymore, to tell <laughs> if me. I'm bored. Can you imagine if someone turned around to you like, hey, I'm bored now, so can we stop? Well, I've, I've had interviews where we agreed that, well, like, I asked them if they've got time and they're like, oh, no. And then, like, halfway through, they're like, oh, I need to go. And I'm mm. like, okay, cool. I'm literally like like a third away through the questions. Yeah. I need to go. So I'm like, okay, cool. That's fine. And they're like, oh, yeah, we'll do another part. We'll do another part. And it's like, yeah, that's not going to happen. I already know it's not going to happen. <laughs> it's now or never. <laughs> Which is fine because that's life. There's a few artists yeah. that I need to get back in touch with that I'm like, their circumstances have changed slightly. So it's like, I'm going to leave them to it because, you know. I mean, as long as people turn up, I've had a plenty of experiences where people are like, oh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to interview. And then I sit on a Zoom call for like 40 minutes waiting for them to turn up. And they don't. Oh my god! Um, and then I get really annoyed and be like, "I'm never speaking to them again." <laughs> yeah, that's so infuriating. Had, no, I've had I've had a I've had a few like that actually, which has really annoyed me. Just because I actually because the thing is like I'm trying to talk to people about their work. That's all I'm trying to do. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to give. It's give also my time. though, it must feel like people don't value your time, which is really awful. I guess so. I've never thought about it like that. But I guess so. But then I, I don't just about just about value my own time anyway. So mm-hmm. it doesn't really make any difference to me, to be very honest. Um, so I'm a bit like, okay, cool. But I don't know. It's it's, no, it's not cool. It's a good point. That isn't cool. It's, 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 yeah, it's, it's something that that's happened. But, and it's annoying because it happens with artists that I can see are going to progress really well. So I want to talk to them at that start point. I like, there's a certain artist that I wanted to speak to a while ago because I could just see that his work was going to, you know, really kind of blow up and it was going to be really good. And now it has. And mm. I'm like, the, the, what I wanted to talk to you about and the kind of thoughts and feelings I was going to kind of have, the conversation I was going to have it are no longer relevant or they're not going to be. Who's the artist? Um, it's nice. an artist called Juicy Jawwer. Um, I'll send Juicy? you his work. Juicy Jawwer. Yeah, please send it. I'll send it over. And he's a really cool artist. His work is really interesting. But I'm kind of a bit like, well, I don't know, like, I would. I generally yeah. waited on a Zoom call for half an hour for him to turn up. Um, after rearranging it about three times because he was a bit yeah, kind of unsure about really the time. Cool. Uh, but then again, you know, he's from America. The time zones are different. You know, but it's like for me, like if we make a plan, we've made a plan. Um, that's just my nature. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. Though. I'm like, if things change, that's cool. I'm, I've done it long enough that I know that just because you say you're going to be here for a certain date and things change, things change. That's good. Let me know. Don't keep me waiting on a Zoom call. No. Absolutely. Because um, like, it happened with some other ladies, some other abstract artists that I was going to interview. And we arranged a date. It was all fun. It was all cool. Never showed up. Never answered any of my messages after saying, by the way, you didn't show up. Or like, oh, are you okay? How weird. Even nowadays, I haven't spoken to her since because I literally didn't respond to any of my messages. And I was like, okay, cool. But she's still posting work because I still see it because I still follow her. So I'm like, okay, cool. That's odd. Yeah, that's really weird. I'm just trying to create opportunities for people. But hey, if you don't want it, that's fine. I'll take it. <laughs> Absolutely. People, but there's people. There are people who say no. 
Um, I actually sent yeah. two emails. I actually sent two emails yesterday to two artists that I really like, um, saying, "Oh, I don't know if you'll know, but the Fine Food Brawl is also a podcast. Would you like to be interviewed for it?" Mm. Um, and one of them was like, "No, I'm not comfortable with that. It's cool." And the other guy was like, "Oh yeah, it sounds good, but I don't know what podcasts are, um, and I don't speak very well good English." So I'm a bit like, "Yeah, I don't care. That's cool. We can still do an interview. Yeah. That's cool." Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know. Right. Anyway, Probably sorry. That was a super ramble. Um, this is why it's so damn long. Oh yeah, ninety percent of my editing is me cutting myself out. So, um, <laughs> yeah. that is like generally the truth. I think people laugh when I say that, but like, no, it's the truth. Um, I've rambled too much. Okay. It's just nice to have a conversation about it. So absolutely, that's the thing. Like this for me, it's like you know, I don't. This is why if you, if you turn around tomorrow and was like, no, actually, I don't want to release this. It's like I don't care. I had a great conversation. I get to meet you. That's cool. You know, and now you're part of my close circle of friends that I get to send really cool um opportunities too so i'll take that definitely well that's cool i'm gonna actually have a look actually wait let me give me one second i'm gonna write that on my to-do list because uh, <laughs> i will forget i i'm the kind of person like, i write everything down so i have this book here which is my scheduling list for the fine fruit bowl so i have everything written down and this is my to-do list um, oh my so god have, so when i wake up in the morning what i typically do is that to be organized um i wake up and i'll sit down and i write a to-do list of what i want to achieve for the day um knowing that anything I don't achieve is going to roll on for the next day. So mm. that way I'm not putting pressure on myself to get everything done today. But then I want to pick at least one or two things to get done because that way it will get done. Uh, so it's me probably a good way of doing things. I need to take a leaf out of that book. Opportunities. Oh, this can be... Right, cool. I've got to do that to do list. Because that way, if I'm bored or if I feel like, oh, I haven't got any time, I've got like some random spare time whatever that is i'd be like okay cool let me just check my to-do list to see what i can do that's going to be worthwhile doing in this moment of time it's a good way of doing it i do it i mean i have to otherwise i'll just do nothing any way to function <laughs> yeah otherwise i'll just do nothing i will literally just i don't even know like i couldn't even say i watch netflix so i don't have netflix i don't know <laughs> i just i don't know i've just been doing something else like that's not productive because i'm the kind of person like whether people see it or not i have to be creating something or i have to be producing something you know like I don't know it's it's weird I live a very strange life um but anyway since we work in I mean other than the burnout uh, uh, I mean yeah that, that's, uh, <laughs> I don't know we'll see we'll see what happens about that um <laughs> let's just say I'm looking forward to the last week of May let's say that but then yeah. again but but I'm going to be very honest even now I'm a bit like but do I really want to take that break because I'm like I think oh. we should well I'm planning to go to three different cities in the UK and just to go and take some pictures so my idea is to go because I've got a week off, so like three, maybe three or four days, take it each day, do a day trip somewhere, a different city, um, go take some pictures, kind of relax. That's that a great idea. But then yeah. there's also work itself, though. And I'm like, that's kind of still quite a lot of work as well, though. So, <laughs> yeah, I know. I guess it's like if you're doing the work just for yourself or you're doing it for someone else. I know it's just for myself. Why well, is it? Uh, yeah, it's for myself. So it's fun. Um, <laughs> I say it's for myself, but we don't know. Is there anything about yourself? Yeah. Nowadays, I'm not too sure, but we'll see. I don't know. It's that old cliche, is it? What I was saying earlier, like, oh, God, if you don't post it, did it even happen? That's true. But then again, I also like the idea of not being online. Lately, I'm like, I'd love to just like not be online for like a year. That'd be great. Oh, my God. I have that so often. Like, like I do I just delete it? Do I just <laughs> yeah. delete it and yeah. be like, hope hope to make it like one of those artists who are hugely successful, but not on social media? Yeah, because I think we don't think about that enough. We don't really talk about that enough, actually, in terms of, like, artists who aren't even on social media. But then I mm. guess it's about reputation at that point. 
Um, that's what yeah. you want. You want to be at a point where your reputation is so good you don't need social media. You know, you're a Damien. But does social media give you reputation? That's a good question. That's the thing, does it? I don't know if it does necessarily. It gives you. I don't, I don't know. know. If it does. I actually now you said that I'm kind of like, what? Why do we even? Why are we even on social media? <laughs> yeah, it is a very strange place to be. I think. We're talking about strange places to be. We're going to get into the social media section. So. <laughs> great segue <laughs> so what are your thoughts on social media and how has it impacted your practice so far so I think social media is both a blessing and a curse so I mean I don't even have that many followers I have I don't know like 1700 1800 followers or something like really not that many or is it more than, no I think that's it um and but even that I find incredibly stressful, trying to get like any traction, trying to get people to look at your stuff or engage or follow and all the rest of it. I think it's great because I think that it gives you access to so many artists and their work, which I think I said before, like I find it incredibly inspiring to see other people's work. Um, but I think the downside of it is the horrible part of comparison where you then you can get a bit um um blinded by it I think and it turns from being something that is um quite critical to a creative process in terms of having resources that you feel further you and your and your journey to something that you're looking at and feeling less than and that you can't do something and I think it can then yeah really hinder what it is that you're producing um and I guess as well like we said we're kind of there's so much emphasis these days on social media and that you you know in order to be great you have to have however many thousand followers and i I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm just saying this because I don't have that many followers. But does it do what you need it to do? I don't know because I don't have that many. Um, but at least even to get to the small group of people who I have looking at my work on, on Instagram, um, it hasn't done anything in terms of sales. Like it hasn't done anything. You get engagement and you have people say stuff, but... It isn't a very authentic channel, I don't think. I think that it's designed to, that you need to have someone's attention within like, what is it like 0.4 of a second or something? I'm sure someone correct that, but like some crazy time frame. And so how do you as an artist, like always convey what it is that you're trying to say within a painting in that time? And also, I'd, I'd, um, I was talking about this with my husband. I just don't always feel like my work photographs or translates that very well into social. So I find it quite difficult to, to draw the parallels between like what I see and the work that I've got in front of me with then what I'm posting. So I don't know. I think I'm probably not fully concluded on it yet, um, but... 
I do think that it's it is a job in itself to try and manage or grow social media and also when you're you know raising a kid and you've got a husband and you want friends and you've got family that you want to see and you also want to produce artwork like I think it's quite important to create those you know divides in your life and not to be on your phone all the time but then finding the time to do it is really difficult so I don't know I don't know basically um it's not something that I've cracked or had you know extreme success with um maybe if I did I'd be talking quite differently about it but I find it really difficult and uh, a little bit jading sometimes so there's about three different questions I want to ask you based off that um so first eight friends what are they because at this point, I think it's just literally just people I know online at this point. Um, but um, being serious for a second, though. Like, so the first thing that struck me as, as kind of interesting is that you said, oh, I, the first thing you said was, I don't have that many followers, which is funny for two reasons. One, because more than I have. And secondly, it's because that is irrelevant. The amount of followers you have are irrelevant. The work you produce is what is important. Because you could have 100 followers, and that is your community and they'll support you no matter what you do or you can have a million followers and no one's going to look at your work they're just passive the what i've learned so far from my own social media journey because i used to hate social media now i don't mind it um i'm not i love it but i don't mind it is it's about the impact and the engagement you have of the people you have not the mm. people you want like we all want more followers of course because numbers are, cl- are are good quote unquote good but at the end of the day, be grateful for the audience you currently have, because there was a time a year ago that you didn't have that audience that you would have, mm. and you would have wanted it a year ago. And now you have it. And my advice for anybody in life right now, which is advice I'm giving to everybody recently, which is terrible, is be grateful. And this is just in life generally, is that be grateful for what you have now, because there was a time in your life that what you have now would have been the pinnacle of what you would have wanted. Um, so be grateful for what you have now, because the future will take care of itself. Um, and things will possibly possibly progress, but it's always worth remembering that, you know, utilize what you have now. I've just said that about five times, but you know, it's, it's yeah, no, I, you're you're totally right. You like, are like, totally right. Being present is so important, and not taking for granted what you have is so important. And that's every aspect of life. That's not just mm. being an artist. That's just you know the job you might have, the friends you might have, the family you might have. You know, because things change. Things always change, and nothing lasts mm. forever. You know, and at the end of the day, me being my very cynical self, is that like nothing really matters in the grand scheme of life. You're just one person in a billion. So don't put so much pressure on yourself to do everything and feel so much all the time. Maybe this is advice mm-hmm. I'm trying to give to myself, really. Um, <laughs> you know, don't put so much pressure on yourself and feel things all the time because at the end of the day, it's all going to settle the way it settles. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's just not that big of a deal at the end of the day. No, I think you're totally right. I think that um, it is something that I go through periods where I am like so aware of it I think because I'll see other artists that I love their work and you know their socials are doing great and you know like you said followers don't really amount to you know they don't at least in my experience they don't amount to sales um or people necessarily engaging in the way that you want them to with what it is that you're producing or feeling what you want them to feel from it um, so I, I do think that that's worth remembering that, and I like like we were talking about earlier. It is such a it's such a strange place. Like it's not very 
there are people who are fantastic that aren't on it and do fine. So it isn't it isn't the be all and end all. And also, you know, to go back to, you know, that you said about, you know, we should be grateful for what we have. And I think that is one of the lessons and thoughts that I am really, really focusing on at the moment in terms of, you know, I think, I don't know if this was on when we were, I was saying it, but, you know, I'm so lucky that as a, as a person, a creative person, and as a person in a family that I have got the space to do this part-time to hopefully at some point, you know, bring something back in, but that I've been given this freedom to, you know, try it and see if it works and invest in myself and hope that, you know, at some point it does. And if it doesn't, then in a way, nothing's been wasted other than not making anything and spending some money. But I'm so, so lucky. And I know that. And we're, God, talk about, you know, the, the society and the culture that we're in and, you know, the themes of my work around comparison and how the world that we live in is designed to make us see ourselves or other people in certain light that is exactly it like we're so used to comparing everything and not very good at not I don't think we're very good at being content with what we've got and and that is something that yeah I think we could all do a bit more of but yeah I say I don't I don't know what it is I think it's just because I'm getting older and I truly think that's what it is it's become getting older like I'm seeing things very differently to how I used mm. to and I think the conversations I'm having with people who are a lot younger than me you know a lot of people I know are like oh I want loads of money and I want you know to have you know a house and it's like yeah that's cool that's good to strive for that but that's not necessarily what's going to happen to you and I think there has to be a point in your time which you have to realize what you want and what you'll get are two different things mm. um, and they don't always match up and that's not a bad thing because mm. it's not necessarily your fault because conditions might not be right um, you know look at house prices for instance you know yeah. they're yeah, crazy totally. like I would love to own a house but can I afford it no I can't afford it and I'm not gonna mm. be stupid and be like yeah let's just throw money into something that I can't afford um, mm. but I just think you're right I think yeah people just aren't content and I think it's it's good to be motivated to strive to want to do better for yourself there's nothing wrong with that I think it's a great idea but I also think you have to really respect the situation you have in life because things or people People have it. I don't know why I'm rambling about this because you probably don't care. But like people are, um, people always have it worse off than you do. Um, as yeah, much as you, as much as you like to always think, you know, things aren't perfect, or oh, I wish I made more money, or oh, I wish I had, you know, a nicer car or a nicer house or whatever. Like people have it. People have nothing, and they're happy. Oh, totally, totally. So, and yeah, I, I, really sorry, that was a really random ramble. I do no, no, no. It's like it's actually a really interesting point um, because part of like my creative process and there are kind of two things in that the first is yeah part of my creative process and why I kind of got to this place is so I've my son was born through IVF and I don't know if this is like a like a massive overshare but yeah he was born through IVF and I am then struggling with second secondary infertility so part of why I'm doing what I do and why like the focus of women and those themes is so important is because oh, that see. all links to like my own personal journey in terms of, of that space. And yeah. you know, talk about like comparing and being grateful what you've got. Like yeah. 
I would love another child, but equally my child, my son was born, um, was born premature for a long time. I didn't know he was even going to survive. Yes. I didn't even know I was going to have him. Like there's so many things that, you know, sometimes you have to step back and yeah. take note of it. And I think the other thing as well is like how all of those things link, link into a creative process. I, you know, for me in terms of the work and being older and having a slightly different perspective on things is a huge influence on what it is that I now produce that I definitely wouldn't have before. You know, if I think about when I was younger, I would have never considered myself a feminist. Yes, I wanted equal rights for men and women, but I wouldn't have, I kind of thought that was a given. And I suppose then like those themes in my work have only come out because of the journey I've been on and whether that be, you know, work you know how work is very structured and how it, it tends to lean towards favoring men and pay gaps and all those other things yeah. there's also been a huge huge I would say like awakening for women over the past year probably triggered a lot by the death of Sarah Everard where of you know I think it was a bit of a light bulb moment for a lot of us where it's like whoa like we all just accept that this is fine, but it's really it's not, not fine that we really walk not. home and are terrified. And and it's really funny that, like, you're brought up with these things, you know, whether that be something as a woman that you're brought up with or as a man that you're brought up with. You're brought up with these themes or these ideas. And then when you kind of step back or get older and look back and think, God, that's crazy that we feel like that's all okay, that the way that we live our lives and the constructs that are set for us are okay and it's really not okay so yeah I totally get that you know looking back and being a bit older and what that does in terms of our opinions on things and what we want to produce yeah so I love talking to artists who are older because they're wiser and they have more to say they've got more life experience and they're coming from a very different place just so people who I speak to who are younger who are maybe a little bit more kind of, oh, I want popularity, I want fame, because a lot of the older artists are doing it for very different intentions. Like people's intentions mm. are so different. And and I like kind of getting a gauge on that. I think it's very interesting to, to know both sides. So you said something earlier that you said that you wanted to talk about and the idea of kind of the illusion of success and the idea of, you know, social media allows you to draw comparisons. Um, just talk a little bit more about that actually, because that's actually a really good consideration. Yeah, I think it probably is similar to um, some of the points we've made just around social media. Definitely, I think there are a few ways that you look at someone's social media to see whether or not you think that they've been successful or not. And I guess largely it is on the number of followers that they've got. And there have got however many thousand followers basically the more the more followers you've got the more successful you are the more sales you're going to make the better your artwork is the more established or esteemed you are and in reality it I don't know that necessarily the more the more successful quote-unquote you look on social media is actually relative to what you consider your own success to be and we I think we all we all um, have our own definition of what success might be, whether that be that you, I don't know, sell however many paintings in a year or that 
you make however much money or that you're seen by these people or you exhibit in this place or or that you have however many thousand followers by the end of the year. I think we're almost, I think social media can make it feel like that is the only, that is the only um, mark of success. And that success doesn't necessarily equate to the success of at least how I feel being an artist is and what I would get my um, fulfillment from, I suppose. This is a question for the next section about life now because it's very relevant. But like, how do you define what it means to be a successful artist? The term success is a really difficult one to answer. And I don't think that I'm necessarily at the place that I feel like I am successful. So I'm not sure what that necessarily means to me yet. And also I think that how we, how we value or define success changes because I think that we all create these milestones for ourselves. And, you know, as you were saying before, oh, if you got to this stage that, God, that would be amazing and that's all you want. But then you reach that stage and then you shift it. So I think that that line continues to move, I suppose, just as um, times change and things change. Uh, you know, I, I think it's ever evolving, really. But if I think right now about what success would mean to me, I think it would be being having some kind of reputation in whatever space that is whether that be um amongst other artists you know the other artists know who I am I think that there's that's a great thing and you know we spoke a lot about community and I think that allows for that and allows you to you know for opportunities maybe to open up um I also think obviously if you can if you can start to establish yourself or support yourself financially, then there's an element of success in that, that people are, are you know, are willing to, to pay for your work and have it hanging on their wall. Um, but also I think it, it's such a difficult one to say that because as we know, a lot of the most, you know, famous artists that we now talk about are people who perhaps when they were here would not have defined themselves as, as successful artists. So I don't know. I think it's a really strange question in, in an artistic space to know what that success looks like. Um, and I think that probably it will, yeah, it'll just continue to change as time evolves and my practice changes and I don't know, my where I am in my life and, and my journey continues to move really. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And I think you're a great person to ask because you're in, at that point where you're not looking for quote unquote financial success right now. Um, and it's quite nice to kind of see as an artist who's more emerging mm -hmm. than anything else. It's like your idea of success now is going to be very different. So I think you are actually a very good person That's to cool. ask. Um, and not just that, I'm always really curious is like, you have to remember the phase in which you're in, in terms of your art, in terms of starting out now is a really beautiful phase to be in. It means you can make as many mistakes as you want and you can try out things as much as you want. And there's no pressure. There's no expectation. Yeah, totally. There's no demand that you have to mm. do things in a certain way. So, you know, kind of embrace that. That's my random advice you didn't ask for today. No, well, one of many really is uh, yeah. just embrace that. You know, embrace that because there will be a time in your career where you won't be able to do mm. the things you do now because you'll be 
mm. expected to do certain things or expected yeah. to create a certain way. And I guess that's one thing I wanted to ask as well, part of the social media category is, is does knowing your work will be a viewer read online change the way you create it? Um, I don't think that it does I, in terms of the actual production of a piece. But I think then when I see my work online, it looks different to me than what, how I see it. I said to you before that um, I don't think my work translates very well. And that probably is also just down to the fact that I don't photograph my work very well or I haven't found the right space to do that in. Um, but so I don't I definitely don't when I'm making something it is in, in no way actually part of the process for me thinking of creating something that is social media friendly or, you know, pleasing. Um, I, that kind of is more of a, a secondary thing that I then think of, oh, I need to photograph this and how is it gonna, how is it gonna translate into this, onto this platform? Um, and not always that well. Yeah, that's cool. And I think that's very interesting that you're aware that your work looks different online mm. and in person. Like you're very aware of the fact that you're, you've seen it both ends and you actually are like, you know, conscious of that because i think mm. we all know that that's the case but i don't know how conscious artists are of actually that and not just that the the caption and the way you explain yourself online with mm. your work is going to be different to somebody having no kind of visual like well no kind of yeah visual cues yeah, yeah. about the work itself going into a gallery and just seeing it on a walk i think, I think though that as stuff. an artist for me personally there's so much about the look and feel and texture of a piece like you'll see in a lot of my work, there's a lot of like very thick paint and stuff like that. And I really like that. I like the differences between having something that looks very flat or I suppose, yeah, more two dimensional and then bringing in those elements of having something quite um, thick and textured and, you know, different brush strokes and all that kind of elements that I just... I do think do get lost when you take pictures of them. I, do, I think that there's so much of there's so much of an, what is enjoyable about art is the visceral experience of seeing a piece and touching a piece and you know just being there with it as opposed to yeah seeing something just 2D. And I think that is also part of the reason why when I creating the, that I didn't feel the fulfillment from creating digital art as I maybe hoped that I would because you don't have that you know there's nothing you're not dirt you're not getting your hands dirty in any way I mean if you saw my studio it is so messy I'm definitely not I'm not a clean painter <laughs> and I very much admire artists that can um, paint and yeah not create a mess and organize um, it is a bombshell in there um, but I think there's something about that maybe that also comes through in my work um, that I just don't think I can capture without someone maybe seeing it. Fair enough. That's, I think, but then that's like the environment in which you're, you're putting yourself into because that's the environment mm. that's going to create the work itself. Your work in some way can be seen as quite chaotic mm. and quite busy. So it's nice that that reflects yeah. the environment you're working in. And I think there's nothing wrong with that. That's your own personal yeah, space yeah. for you to create stuff. It can be however yeah. clean or however messy you want it to be because it's yours. Definitely. You know? And if that's the environment you work best in, yeah. that's the environment you work best in. You know? <clears throat> so 
So I have a couple of questions okay. from a couple of different people um, for you. Um, because again, I like to reference people I've spoken to and or people I haven't spoken to yet that I will eventually speak to. Because um, you can imagine as much as I speak to, as much as I do these interviews, I speak to a lot of people who I never interview, but I speak to them via voice message or via video message, as you can imagine on Instagram. So I keep up with a lot of people um, on a day-to-day basis. I don't even know how the hell I do it, but I do it. So um, yes, so the first question I have is from, again, the artist I referenced earlier, Rione Bethello, absolutely amazing person. And, and her question, so, oh, so full disclosure, I've asked everybody mm-hmm. if I can use their questions because that's the nice thing to do. And why is it, it's actually not a question for you specifically, it's a question they put on their stories or something that I've seen and I'm yeah. like, oh, I like this. So I messaged them saying, oh, can I use this on a, I credit you, and I, can I use it on a, an interview or like all my interviews? Um, and they always say yes, well, mostly say yes. So. so it's not for you specifically, not yet. There is a question that is specifically for you, but this is a question that people have just asked and okay, I'm like, great. oh, I want to approach that. Um, so the question is, do you like it when somebody comments that your work is similar to another artist? Um, yeah, yeah. I don't think, uh, I definitely don't dislike it. Um, I think that um, it's probably quite natural that there'll be parallels between, you know, different artists' work because we're all, you know, we're in this world together and I'm sure that, you know, in some way we're influenced by what we see and the other works that we see. So, yeah, no, I'm definitely not. Um, I'd, I would say that it's quite nice sometimes to feel like there's a common ground between how you see something and how someone else sees it. That's a very good answer. Um, second question is from the very, very awesome, who is one of the coolest people I've met, Brian Dean House. <laughs> It's going to be a note because I mentioned his name because I mentioned his name in almost every interview. And he knows I'm going to mention his name in every interview. Um, so his question is, which is more important, the skill of the artist or the personality of the artist? Ooh. I have got to say the personality of the artist because I don't, I think, again, this idea of skill is... Um, I mean, I guess we can we can all say if someone is skilled or not, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're. Uh, it's almost redundant, I think, in a, in a way. I think that art is so personal to you. I might see something and absolutely love it, and you could say, "Oh, I just, you know, I, I can't understand it. I don't like it." So, and in a way, that's nothing to do with skill. That's just how you interpret it and what emotions of that artist are coming out on in the piece. So, I would say. I would say personality. Cool. That was uh, an interesting topic yeah. of the we had. So, um, yeah, that's cool. Um, so the third question I have from somebody else is from a very good friend of mine now, Emma Hutchins, an incredible photographer. He's just one of the most loveliest people I know. Yes. I know nice. a lot of other people, but he's one of the, he's one of the top people. Um, and his question is, does money devalue talent? I think to a degree, yes. I think that money creates a value for something or is a construct for a value of something that maybe doesn't really exist. I mean, if we think about, if you think about anything and the value, the the financial value of something, you could see something and, or you could have like an heirloom or something that is completely worthless in terms of a financial, um, 
in terms of finances, but be worth more to you than anything. So I don't think, I think that it does. Um, and I think also as an artist, you can sometimes, that can sometimes cloud your vision or your approach to something if you start thinking about things too much in a financial sense. Um, but equally, it's difficult because most of us are aiming at some point to be financially rewarded for the work we produce. So it's, it's a bit of a catch-22, I suppose. I don't really, yeah. Yeah, and all of those questions don't yeah. have right or wrong answers, which is the best thing. Like, they're just really yeah, interesting yeah, totally. points. So I'm like, yeah. That's why I saw them, I was like, Yeah, oh, no, reasons. they are really good. I should just literally just stop making any questions myself and just yeah. never be able to give <laughs> yeah. any questions because... At this point, what am I doing at this point? Um, so what I do with every interview is I always ask the last artist for, mm -hmm. a question for the next artist. So the last person I interviewed was, um, a, again, another really, really, really insanely good photographer that I'm actually surprised I even managed to even talk to, um, called Caffeine Cowboy. And um, his question for you, without knowing it's for you, I don't sure. tell people who it's for necessarily, is... Um, what, if anything, do you want to see change in your art? Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how things develop over the next few months. Um, so I did, I finished up a series of 100 portraits earlier this year. And um, the purpose of that was to try and just take myself away from the pressures that I kind of created for myself in terms of the art that I produce and to naturally, hopefully, um, create a bit of a series or a style of a series that I was enjoying and that I wanted to follow through, which definitely, if I now look back through and can see where I am now, that, that did do for me. And I think now I kind of want to see those ideas and the deeper meaning kind of translate into something a bit bigger. So I'm looking forward to creating some slightly bigger pieces for a start. Um, and I, th I think that's probably the main thing. I also really want to change just focusing on portraiture in terms of a face. I kind of want to start creating more full pieces of bodies and things like that and see, see what comes of that. Um, and to see, see what changes as well as I meet new artists, hopefully over the next year and... Um, have those conversations and have kind of light bulb moments, which seem to happen when you have conversations with people around ideas that I want to try out, I think. So do you have a question for the next person I interview? Yeah, so I was really intrigued to know, this is a very basic question actually, but it's more about the process. So my question was, when is your favorite time of the day to create work and why? Because I have, a certain time I, I love painting in the mornings and I think it's just like if the light is just right it's so nice and also you're very fresh and creatively very open um but I know a lot of artists actually who love painting at night um so I kind of want to know more around what the artists yeah why that is their favorite time and I guess like what in terms of their headspace where they are at that point as well that's a really good question, though. It's very That's different very to the question. other ones you've had. Everyone's very but, different um, to the other one, too. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, that's good. That's perfect. Okay, so my next question for you is a double borrow question. So bear with me. So it, the first part is, in your opinion, what makes a good piece of art? And the second part of that is, what was the last image or piece of media that captivated you? And what was it about it that left an impression on you? So I think that um, a good piece of art is anything that kind of stops you and makes you consider something, whether that be that you're looking or that, sorry, that makes you relate to something in yourself. So you might try and interpret it through your own eyes and your own experiences or um, see how it fits into your own world. I think it, it takes you out of the everyday and what you're doing and you're looking for, for the meaning within it, I think. Um, and there's an artist called Dan Ferguson um, who I saw recently and his work was it really it was really interesting it was probably actually something like you were saying to me his art isn't realistic and it's not but it's not abstract it is again somewhere in that common ground so I really really loved what um what he produced and there was also I'm now going to look it up because it was so wonderful um an artist called Prudence Flint. And she, I saw her series, um, The Call, um, at uh, just advertised in a gallery. And it is, it was so thought provoking for me and just very, um, like the aesthetics of it. I think it was the colors and the subjects of hers were all women as well, kind of sat or stood or laying in different positions. Have you seen her work? I was sent her work two days ago by a good friend of mine called Nate Baerbeck, who is an incredible artist and also a really great curator. Um, he actually sent me her work about two days ago. Um, and so she's on my very, very oh, long list of people wow. to, to interview as slash slash invite for a feature yeah um so yes yeah, I, I that's why i just looked that's why i searched her because like wait her name sounds really familiar um, yeah. So yeah i do know her work actually her work is really really interesting i love the the proportions yes are interesting. and actually i realized so I, i'd seen her work and i was like totally blown away by it and really really loved yeah her proportions of it and i tried to i then took some of that into some of the self-portraits that i was saying that i did i've been doing um, that's cool there's just something so there's a softness to her work that I think is very very that intriguing is. but equally you know that there's something underneath it I mean even the fact that the women are in the positions that they're in I think is yeah it's a really fascinating fascinating set I like the color yeah. palette of her work as well I think the colors are like it so what I yes. like is very cohesive like even if the images are very different, the yeah. colors are so cohesive, and you, like, you know, that's a, a really great, that's a good example of yes. a great visual style, because it's like she can create images of like lions, but you know it'll be her work because yeah. the colors will be similar and the style will be similar. It's like a really actually a very good way to create work that's not repetitive and not boring. Yeah, but it'd be so consistent. Like yeah, that's a really definitely good definitely. Um, so my next question for you then is, what would your younger self think about your work? Um, 
I think my younger self would wonder what was going on in like my life at that point that I made it. Um, but equally, I think that, I mean, even if I think back to um, the work that I made when I was younger, pretty, I pretty much always focused on women even then. Um, so that it probably wouldn't be that much of a surprise um, to see some of the pieces that I'm making, I don't think. I'd probably not that far away from from that um but I think that yeah there would be a a curiosity to know um more about what was going on that's so cool and that's really interesting if you're creating stuff that was very similar to what you used to create because it's kind of like natural progression yeah maybe yeah and that's fascinating that but it's fascinating that you've used your experience and your wisdom to, you know, to translate into the way you create now. And I think that's what is very powerful in a lot of art. I think we kind of, we take that for granted that it's our life experiences we're mm. working through in the work. You know, because I, I often have found that I definitely enjoy artists who are older. I enjoy their work a lot more because they have, for me at least, yeah. they have more to say. You know, or at least, or at least, you know, there's more things mm. considered in their work, or there's more kind of, there's more layers to it. I think. Yeah, um, no, for totally. me at least, I would agree. Um, that's just in my opinion. You know, not saying someone who is like, you know, 15, 16, 17 can't create incredibly great work. They can. It's just, I don't know if they'd have the, like, the depth to be able to kind of mm. understand it necessarily in the same way. Because you know, mm. what do you know when you're 17? You yeah, think you know, yeah. If you know um, so. so should art be comfortable because I think one you know you said your work was in Cecily which is a great way to describe it but there's also a bit of discomfort in your work and also the subject matter itself in terms of the mm. conversations you want to create so uh should art be comfortable um I think it I don't think it should be comfortable or uncomfortable I think that it should be whatever you feel like you need to do as the artist or you know as the person buying it you know I know a lot of people don't necessarily want uncomfortable art in their home. They want aesthetically, you know, pieces that are calming and create that nice environment. And, you know, that probably isn't what I'm making. Um, but I think, so I think that, I don't think it should be one or the other. I think that it should just be part of the process that you go on and you end up where you do. And I don't, I don't, I don't, think although I could be wrong um that you necessarily produce anything to be comfortable or uncomfortable I think that you might have a feeling or an emotion that you're you're playing with when you make something but I don't and maybe that's just my opinion that when I'm making something I don't think I want it to be uncomfortable but you might want to kind of you might want to create something that makes someone have to stop in their tracks almost to consider it. But I don't think there should, that should be a limited, a limiting thing. You can, I think it play with it however you want it to be, create the emotions that you want or, you know, be able to convey in whatever way that you need to the feelings or the subject that it is that you're trying to get out there. That's a, a very good piece of advice slash opinion I think that's that's very that's very that's very telling though of the way you create your work and the mindset you have in creating your work because you know 
it's nice to say that you don't you're not just like okay cool you know feminism is a popular subject let's just jump on board mm. that train and create work that's going to sell you know because people are doing that let's be very honest there are a few artists that i know of that you know when black lives matter was at the forefront their work kind of shifted the narrative mm. of their work shifted a lot mm. and now it shifted back because selling prints and making money during the pandemic you know wasn't easy for a lot of people so I think it's very nice that you're very true to what you actually believe in mm. and what you're interested in. And then the work itself is going to be a manifestation mm. of that. I think that's very... I think though, that that's probably the only way to do it if you want longevity with what it is that you're doing. Um, you can't... You can fake it to a degree, but I think that that comes out at some point. Um, and, you know, as we said before, those the different pieces that you produce and the different themes and series, they'll, they'll adapt as time goes on and as you experience different things, but you'll see that, you'll see that progression. It won't just be a start stop. I don't think at least. Um, yeah. So I have two more questions for you. That is it. I'm afraid. Might be <laughs> no, not at all. Um, so <laughs> how would you like to develop your practice in the coming year? And actually, this is a borrowed question that realized. And do you have any goals you'd like to achieve in 2022? Um, so I'm hoping at some point this year, I'll be able to commit more time to, to producing work. Um, that will be great. I think that will kind of give me a bit more freedom and a bit more space to see where things go and not necessarily have those restraints in quite as much of the way that I do at the moment. Um, I think that I also want to spend more time developing, like we were talking about the color palette, like really honing in on that color palette. And again, that could just be for a series. I think that anything that I make, you know, is nothing set in stone. I think things just continue to shift and move and change. Um, but for this year, at least, that's something that I'd like to see. and. I think, yeah, I do definitely have goals for this year. Um, like I said, I'm doing a lot of applications for different exhibits and galleries and things. And I'm really hoping that something comes out of that just to get work showcased and be in an environment where I get to speak to some artists and curators. Um, and just, I think, be a bit more confident with what it is that I'm doing and feeling okay to say yeah I'm an artist um and that not feel like something that like gets stuck in my throat and I'm instantly questioning myself if I should be saying that or not at the time that I say it um I think owning it a bit more and yeah having that trying to find that self-worth in it that we've spoken about I think is going to be a massive thing for this year and I hope is going to um, hopefully lead to elements of success in whatever that looks like, whether that just be feeling more assured in my work and what I'm doing or having some people wanna purchase some pieces. I'm certainly not um, creating financial goals for myself. That's not something that I'm setting out this year. It's just more about like, not yet, no, but yeah, I just would like to get my stuff out there, I think, in a few more avenues and get to speak to some more people and 
hopefully, yeah, just uh, get a bit more traction, I think. Yeah, better yeah, reputation. Yeah, totally. Yeah, Before, totally. Yeah, which is what you, which is what I think everything needs to do, that we forget, we forget that it's not just financial, the money doesn't just come straight away, Definitely. you have a reputation, you have to build that, and you have to be, yeah, it has to be an authentic rep yes. reputation as well. It can't be like, you know, okay, I've just forged this because it seems like I'll get a lot of money. Because as you said, yeah, it might work short term. No, it's not going to no. work long term, you know. Um, but I think that's that you have a great mentality. And uh, I'm honestly, I'm very much looking forward to seeing your career take off. I truly am. Like I, the, the one benefit I get of doing what I do, well, many, one of many benefits is I get to watch mm. people grow. And I do not take that for granted. I enjoy it so much. It's the best thing. Um, it truly is. There's so many cool artists I've, I've seen that I'm like, mm. I know they're going to do good things. So yeah, oh, thank you so much. Good. I mean, so, yeah. yeah, I'm hoping that, like you said, that that reputation will kind of start to grow a bit and that I get seen a bit more and um, hopefully like doing things like this and getting this conversation with you is just one of those, yeah. you know, fantastic opportunities to do that. So yeah. massively appreciate your time and um, reaching out to me uh, does mean a lot. So thank you. Honestly, it's no problem. It's no problem. So. The last question, which is the double borrow question, is what are you currently working on and where can people find more about you and your work? Uh, so I am currently um, doing a series of self-portraits um, and that's leading into uh, uh, another collection of images I'm going to be making that are more around the theme or the, yeah, the theme of self-reflection. So I'm going to be looking at that a bit more. Um, and the easiest way to find my work is at my website, which is elliskingcouk or on Instagram. And I am elliskingart. That's my Instagram account handle. That is perfect. Honestly, Alice. Thank you. Thank you so I've much. had a great time right. and I've really appreciated it. That concludes the second and final part of my conversation with Alice King. Thank you very much for listening. If you have any questions or comments about the episode, please email me at theflyingfruitbowl at gmail.com or get in touch via social media sites such as Twitter and Instagram. The Flying Fruit Bowl podcast can now be found on a variety of sites such as Spotify, YouTube or Apple Music. If you like the show, please consider rating, reviewing, sharing or subscribing on any of these platforms to help spread the show. Also, don't forget to check out theflyingfruitball.co.uk where we post daily art inspiration and written interviews. And if you're a creative, please get in touch for a chance to be featured or interviewed. If you'd like to support the platform further, we now also have a Patreon page. Tears start from £1 and for more information, head on over to patreon.com forward slash theflyingfruitball. If you'd prefer to make a one-time donation to the Flying Fruit Bowl, we also now have a PayPal. The link to the PayPal should be included in the show notes. Once again, thank you very much for listening to the episode today.